Your reality is spiritual. His truth is His truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. Before um, kids and youth take off, um, is it okay if I pray for you all right now? Is that okay with you guys? Okay. I'm assuming it's okay here. I just, during worship, it just really got put, youth really got put heavy on my heart. And I think there's a, he's <clears throat> showing me that there's a spirit of fear and anxiety um, and an, an, a spirit of an uncertain future that is completely of darkness and it's not okay on our kids. And so um, let's just pray. Let's pray. Thank you for this revelation, Lord. And, uh, and we know the reasons, but we don't care about the reasons we're more uh, we're more impressed with you yes. so I just I want to declare things in your kingdom Jesus and we thank you for this authority and I declare over this generation in the authority of the name of Jesus they will not be a generation of fear they will not walk in a bondage of anxiety they will be a generation that reveals your name with more power than we've seen before. In the name of Jesus, we declare it and believe it. They are going to be more free. They're going to blow us away in how free in your power they're going to be. I break in the name of Jesus spirits of fear and spirits of anxiety that have tried to have their way with our youth. It's no longer okay. We're drawing the line. In the name of Jesus, they will rest in who you are. These kids right here, they're going to rest. They are for the power of your kingdom, and darkness can't touch them. We declare a certain future. We don't know what you have planned for them, but we are declaring a future of certainty that it is in the goodness of a good, good father in the authority of the name of Jesus. And kids, if you agree with me, just yell out amen with me on three, okay? One, two, three. Amen. I knew the Lord wanted to do some stuff this morning. <laughs> Father, we ask your blessing on this time. I know you have a really important word, a timely word, a prophetic word for your people. And we just ask that this also would be unhindered. We ask you to open our hearts to what you plan on doing right now. And, and uh, oh, God, help me. I don't want to speak words. I want the power of your spirit in everything that's done here. And I thank you in faith that you're doing that. Amen. Okay, so we're in a series on rest. And yes, it's still going. We're, <laughs> we're going to talk about rest again this morning. How timely in the midst of a world that is just illustrating for us how, they, how this world has none, has no genuine rest whatsoever. Um, so, you know, I'm just going to start. Go with me to Matthew 11, verse 28. It's the same, I think it's the same scripture I've started with almost every time. Jesus' words. And, and um, I have to tell you, it's, you know, it's the one that talks about Jesus' yoke. And I'm going to read it here in a minute. But... Um, so many things have happened this week, and we're such a small church, I have to just kind of talk 
I have to be careful <laughs> the way I talk, which is a good thing. In other words, you're a family. You all know each other, and that, that's cool. Um, but the Lord did so many things with the most beautiful kids of God, you guys, in other words, around giving me understanding of this yoke that I'm just going to start here. I learned stuff I didn't know. Um, someone in the congregation had a vision of this yoke that blessed me so much. I went home and prayed about it. Like I want, I want to know the revelation of this vision that this other person had. <laughs> and it, does that ever happen with you? Do you just get jealous? Like the Lord does this incredible, beautiful, intimate thing, and you're like, oh my gosh, that had to make you feel loved. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna meditate on your vision. <laughs> that happened around this yoke. And, and you know what I found out? And this is why I'm bringing it up. In this vision, the person saw a side-by-side -side yoking. Now, I didn't know that that's what it was, but that's actually historically, that's accurate. <laughs> and I didn't even know that. And then through the process of that, another person sent me this article, and actually now I should read this, and, and then it'll lead us. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Jesus is speaking and says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I learned things this week that I, I never knew before about this verse from something that was given to me. Did you know that the rabbis of their time, um, they, they would have their disciples, right? The model, the thing that went on with Jesus and his disciples was actually the common model of their time. Um, and the disciples of that particular rabbi would take that rabbi's yoke, they actually called it that. I didn't know that. How many of you knew that? I didn't know that. So, okay, so several of you, several of you knew. That's good. And it, it, the yoke of their time was a side-by-side -side yoke. There would be two oxen. So, in other words, if you, if you take his yoke, it's this side-by-side -side thing where you're you're neck and neck with him, going to labor with him. You don't do anything by yourself. You're literally yoked with him. I always pictured it like the master's behind, but we're getting a very different picture <laughs> when you see this stuff. You're, you're yoked with him, and the yoke of their time, um, and you all know this part, I know you do, the yoke of their time was a very heavy yoke. In other words, the idea was I'm taking on all your rules and obligations and they would have their feasts where like during the feasts, the people were expected to fast and whatever. But if you were yoked to a particular rabbi, he would say, we're going to start fasting the week before in addition. And if, they, if you're supposed to give 10% of your spices, we're going to give 15 and you'd be yoked to all of these heavy burdens that would get almost unbearable. Enter the scene, Jesus comes and says, and it, it just totally makes sense now. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. He was doing something else. He was saying, he was taking off the burden of all that law and saying the law is fulfilled. Yoke with me and it, this is easy. So I just, I just had to start there. And this morning, I'll just tell you, we're going to talk specifically. Actually, let me, let me go back a little bit, just very briefly to last week, we talked about our responsibility in our external environment. 
Y'all remember that? Part of rest is that it's our responsibility to make atmospheres, to have authority over our environments, those things that are in the realm of our authority. It is our responsibility to make that a place where God's at home, where, where his spirit can rest. Okay, this week, you know, we're going to do exactly the same thing, but it's going to be totally different because now we're moving into, you know, the most important environment (laughs) is you, the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? So if true in the physical realm, and don't, let's don't minimize that, it is true in the physical realm. You have physical things, actual environments, starting with yourself the environments that you're in, your family, whatever environments the Lord has put in the realm of your responsibility, you do have physical responsibility to align it with the kingdom of God so it's fitted for the Holy Spirit. Today we're going to talk about the the internal environment. And I'm going to tell you that the the internal environment, the environment of your heart, of your spirit, is an environment that begins with your identity. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We're going to focus on Jesus and how he had authority in how he rested and had authority in his internal environment. And I promise you there's gold here. Um, You know, one more thing and then we'll jump into the scripture. It struck me this week that um, we live... As if, you know, we talk about the pearly gates and you're going to meet Peter and everything, right? (laughs) Won't it be crazy if that's exactly what it's like and he's actually standing there. It'll be like, they always told me it would be like this. (laughs) But we think about, you know, and the word of God says that that we are going to have accountabilities, right? We are going to answer for certain things. And we think of questions, you know, I think we live our lives to the wrong questions, now, check with me. We think, um, well, at worst, we think things like, how much money did you make? How much power did you acquire? Okay, that, that's certainly according to the world's system. But I want you to, to realize with me that even in a spiritual sense, even among the Christian community, we kind of do that in a holy way. Now, I'll show you what I mean. We think, how much did I accomplish for the kingdom? How much anointing of the Holy Spirit did I manifest for the freedom in in the commission of Jesus Christ in this world. And we think those are the questions that are going to be asked of us, right? Is anybody tracking with me? I'm certain that I I must operate from that mode, however erroneous it is too much of the time. I want to tell you what I think. Do you know what the, if there is a question, I actually don't think there's going to be any question at all. (laughs) I think you're going to see the prodigal the prodigal father, you're going to see your savior going, yes, come on. There's not going to be any questions. That's what I get from the word of God. But if there was, do you know what that question would actually be? And this is so critical to get. The only question is going to be, whose kid are you? Are you checking with me? Whose child are you? Is the question. That settles everything. It settles the whole inheritance. (laughs) Whose son are you? And I could have taught the whole time on that, and I'm, I'm not going to this morning, but you can think of scriptures where, where Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says something to the effect of, you don't know, um, you're speaking from a different father. 
You don't know what spirit you're speaking from. So in other words, they were living in a way that they weren't fully grounded in their identity. Whose child are you? <laughs> That's good. I don't care who you are. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Whose child are you? Um, so this, <laughs> okay, yeah, it kind of went crazy on me. You're going to have to bear with me. God had me start playing with this just this morning, kind of like a kid plays in his mashed potatoes or something. It all got changed. And <laughs> um, Mark 8, 21. <laughs> so I have to set this context while you're turning there. I'm going to do it real quick because it's not the context that matters most here, but what we're going to see this is immediately after Jesus has that whole conversation where he says, take heed of, um, or, or beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of Herod. Remember that conversation? And you remember what they do? They say, is this the place? Yeah, they say, um, that's where they start worrying about lunch. They start going, oh, we forgot the bread. He's talking about bread, right? And their mind's in the wrong place. And, and what did we say? The, the leaven of the Pharisees is what? is the thinking of the religious thinking, right? Which Jesus is never a proponent of religious thinking. He's a proponent of love thinking, of relationship thinking. And then the other, the, the leaven of Herod. And what that is, that's just thinking according to the world systems. That's political thinking. That's, and he's saying, beware of thinking that's not kingdom thinking. <laughs> There's, and he gives two major categories that can be the error of our ways. Well, this is right after that, and I'm a strong believer that the narrative is actually set in an order like on purpose. <laughs> it's not haphazard. So that conversation was supposed to be um, right before what we're reading in verse 21. In 21, it says, So he said to them, How is it you do not understand? Verse 22, Then he came, so, so it feels like we're, we're shifting, but I'm going to tell you the narrative's in order on purpose. It says, Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. Now when the Lord told me to throw this in here, and it wasn't in the plan, and I know that I was supposed to do this, I, I actually had to pray over it and look at it for a while, like, I don't see how this fits in what we're doing, and then this revelation comes. You have to know how audacious this statement is and the significance it gives us. It says, so he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. Now listen to me. Do you know that in their time, healing prayer was not foreign to them? They did do, engage in healing prayer. That's, that wasn't new to after Jesus' ministry. The only thing is, the way they did it was you had to do it in exactly some specific way. And I'm going to tell you what that way was. You had to go to the religious leaders those of prestige and position, and you did it at the temple or at your local synagogue. You didn't do it wherever you wanted, and it wasn't whoever wanted to. There would, you would make sacrifices through that leader. Are you tracking with me? And you, you did it this way, through this hierarchy system for the power of God, for the kingdom of God to flow, for healing. They did have healing prayer. 
Now, this just says he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. You have to understand how crazy that is. That bombs everything. And we're going to look at Jesus' identity again. A guy who would do that. He did that. He took a guy and led him by the hand out of town. This blows apart every way that they believe, every way that they think. This blows apart their understanding of how the kingdom of God is free to flow, to bless people. This blows away the way they would understand the heart of God, that he would lead somebody out of town. That's so audacious. You don't do that. That is not how this is done. Why would Jesus, why would this guy, fully God, don't get me wrong, but why would this guy feel free, or why would he do that? You see, I'm going to show you. I'm going to prove it. But it's in the fact that he rests in his own identity. He knew exactly who he was, exactly what the Father spoke over him. He knew that the kingdom of God went with him. He would actually take people out of an environment of lack of belief or, or an environment of unbelief and he would take them with him where the kingdom of God could manifest for them because he loved them that much. Why could he do that? He was absolutely rested and secure in who he was and he knew why he was who he was. Well, why was it? His father spoke it over him. Now, um, okay, that's all we're going to do with that, I think. Yes. Now go to Luke chapter 4. Now I'm going to show you something. Um, this morning I just really want to focus on Jesus the whole time. I can't help myself. And that's, that's really what we're going to do. Um, so to begin Jesus' ministry, right, he was baptized. Now, now who knows what the Father spoke over him when he was baptized? This is my son, in whom I'm well pleased. Now, just very quickly, catch with me. At that moment, he hadn't done anything yet. <laughs> I mean, he'd been baptized, but he hadn't done anything marvelous yet. And the statement of his father is, this is my son, is a statement of identity, in whom I'm well pleased, which I'm going to say is also a statement of identity. But it says something about it says something about the pleasure of the father over a son. Does it have anything to do with what you do? No. <laughs> it's just a statement of identity. It's bestowed by a father because it's bestowed by a father. Are you tracking with me? That's his identity. He hadn't done anything yet. And his father is perfectly pleased. He's immediately led into the desert. You know what he's tempted about? That. <laughs> Every category of temptation that he undergoes next is a temptation to doubt the identity that his father just spoke on him. And he passes the test perfectly. He did way better than I do. <laughs> And then what he does just next is where we're going to pick up reading, okay? Verse 14, Luke 4, verse 14. This happens just next. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through the surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. 
verse 16. So he came to Nazareth. Now you understand that's his hometown, right? He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Now check with me. This was normal for them. This is kind of like we have these traditions and things and as long as we don't get too stuck in them and turn it into our relationship with God instead of having an actual real one, they're great. It's fine to have some things that, you, that are standard and you do. Standard for them was the men of the congregation would take the bow, they would stand up and they would read and then they would go back to their seat or they would expound some. It was a great honor for them to be the one to do that. And that, that's what he's doing. He's just doing what they do. And it says, And when he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Now he begins to quote Isaiah, or not quote, he begins to read from Isaiah 61. Okay? And th this is what he speaks. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's what he read. Actually, let me read one more verse, verse 20. Then he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. In other words, they were staring at him. <laughs> now, scholars say, and it's, it's not critical to the point, but it, it strengthens the point if it's true. Scholars say the reason they were staring at him is because in the synagogues, there would be the seat up front, right in the middle, and they called it Moses' seat. And only the head leader of that synagogue would sit in that seat. And a lot of scholars, when you, when you study this, a lot of the scholars agree that what he did was he went and sat down in Moses' seat. And that would cause people to stare. <laughs> you jacking with me? Now, here's what I want you to see. We're going to do a lot of things with this, okay? But listen, I want you to see. This is a guy who was absolutely resting in his identity as bestowed by his father. Are you tracking with me? He's doing crazy things. And he just declared, now I should read this next line, and he, uh, verse 21, and he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now listen to me, what was fulfilled? Has he actually preached the gospel to the poor or healed the brokenhearted or proclaimed liberty to the captives yet? Has he given recovery of sight to any blind people just yet? And yet he says today, it's, he hasn't, right? And, and yet he says today it's fulfilled. <laughs> I hope you're catching this. What was fulfilled? The spirit of the Lord was upon him because he had been anointed, that was fulfilled. It, it's finished. This is a guy who was, who was resting in what his father had spoken. And he's saying, today in your sight, you're seeing a person that the spirit of, of the Lord is upon and who is anointed. Anointed for what? Those great things. Now here's where it gets, what a calling, right? 
Isn't that a crazy? Can you imagine if that was your calling? <laughs> I only got one giggle. <laughs> that is your calling. Jesus laid something out for us that we could follow. He became, you know, he laid down his divinity. He became a spirit-filled man. The spirit of the Lord was upon, and he was anointed to do that, that calling. And he, he is the absolute example of what he calls us into. In other words, we should be a people who are sitting here this morning saying, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. For what? For that. To tell good news to poor people. To heal the brokenhearted. To give freedom to people in captivity. To restore sight to the blind. Spiritual and physical. I don't care. I like, I like all kinds of blindness being healed. How about you? Liberty to those that are oppressed. To, de to declare, what's, what's that say? To declare the acceptable year of the Lord. To declare this is the day the Lord has made. And that calling, Jesus sets the example of a guy with all the audaciousness in the world. Why? Why? Because he rests in it. That's why he had the strength and resolve to have all the audacity in the world to declare before these people, this is my identity. You better get used to it. <laughs> And he was laying out an example. We, we're a people who should be going, this is my identity. You better get used to it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Put your seatbelts on. I don't know what he's going to do, but the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. There's an anointing here. Do you, do you believe that? You see, we either believe that or we don't. <laughs> and we're and we walk through deserts just like Jesus did. The Father speaks words over us that are the truth of who we are. Who are you? Child of God. You either believe that or you don't. And the enemy is preparing deserts all the time to make us doubt the truth of our identity. But he's the one who went through that desert and came with an, with an absolute rest in his identity and absolute clarity why that was his identity because the Father bestowed it on him. Why are you a child of God? Because you're absolutely treasured by the Father and he speaks that on you. This is your calling. What's the will of God? Should I move here or stay where I live? Should I take this job or take that job? I don't know, but I can tell you this. The will of God is that you tell the good news to the poor. The will of God for you is that you heal the brokenhearted, that you give freedom to captives. The will of God is that you restore sight to the blind, that you heal the sick. <laughs> Should I do this or that? I don't know, but whichever one you choose, go cast out demons, would you? Are you checking with me? We either believe that or we don't. So go to verse 22 with me. Not a single amen or nothing. Are you guys excited about that? <laughs> you see, I think we live in a mode, if I say, do you believe that? You go, yeah, sure I do. But are, I mean, do you really? You know when you know you believe something? <laughs> when you're living it. 
Jesus was living it. He actually declared this in front of everybody. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Will you just say this with me? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. <laughs> because He has anointed me to do all the great things of the kingdom. <laughs> I was reading, do we have one of those cards? Would you grab one for me? Thank you. Verse 22, he goes on and says, So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, now catch this, is this not Joseph's son? Now listen to me. <laughs> I'm having too much fun this morning. I didn't really expect this. I should have. I should have. Thank you. I'm going to tell you what they did. They, they, um, they move right to, is this Joseph's son? Now, the story that we're reading is Jesus at all in question about his identity as son of God, resting place for the spirit, anointed one. No, that's exactly what they're doing, right? They, they go right to the world that observes you as the place of the spirit of God, the anointed one. The world looks at you and goes, are you kidding? I've known you since you were a kid. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen your mother wipe your nose when you were, you know, familiarity. Now listen to me, and we're going to see. It's, it's going to prove out. If you doubt me at first, I promise before we finish reading, you'll believe me. But familiarity shuts down the kingdom of God. Why? The enemy is always trying to get us to be, to be more familiar, more focused with the things of this world than we are familiar with who he is and the spiritual reality. Do you know, I have to say this, if you're not absolutely certain about your identity in God, child of God, why would we ever expect the world to see you that way? Are you tracking with me? That's a pretty weak gospel. I got really good news for you. God invites you into his family. He wants to redeem you and make you powerful for the kingdom, but we don't really believe it over ourselves, right? Too much wounding, too much harm has come to us. I've sinned too many times. If you know what I've done, how could I possibly be great in the mind of God? How could God possibly have great plans for me, anointing, powerful anointing for me to change this world? That can't possibly be true. Do you know why? Because familiarity is never greater than with ourselves. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you can't believe what God speaks over you, the world doesn't have a chance. That's a pathetic, weak gospel. I've got this great news, but I don't believe it over myself. I had her go get this card. Oh, this is not the one. Do we have the Brazil one? I'll just tell you about it. I remember what it says because I'm, I'm sitting there talking. These are, these are Dean... Gosen's cards and he do, he's traveling doing these events we're actually trying to partner and help out with it and it's just totally awesome and um and um he 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 likes to believe Jesus a little bit and um he's cool for that reason but I'm reading he's talking to me we're having this meeting over coffee like well tell me about what you do kind of meeting and um while we're meeting um 
I'm doing what you should never do. He's talking and I'm trying to like multitask because there's no time in my life. And I'm sitting there, I'm reading his card while he's talking to me. And I get so distracted, I hit this line that says, and this is if you go on like their Brazil, it's Brazil, right? Their Brazil mission. Um, and this line, it says, um, every, I, what does this say? Everyone who goes will have the opportunity to give their testimony, preach the gospel, heal the sick, and cast out demons. <laughs> I love that. I got so distracted that I'm like, whoa, whoa, you just got to stop talking. <laughs> stop, stop talking about what you're talking about. I'm like, did you write, is this your line? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, I love that. I, I instantly, we were, we will like be buddies for now, for now on because of what's printed on his, <laughs> on that little ad, ad card. Everybody's going to get the opportunity. Come with us. Everybody's going to get the opportunity to heal the sick and cast out some demons. <laughs> we wouldn't cheat you by not giving you the opportunity to cast out a demon or two. <laughs> you have to love that. That's right thinking. I just want to tell you that's right thinking. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because I'm anointed. <laughs> that is not a spirit of fear. Okay, now I'm going to keep reading here. Um, verse 23. And he said to them, You will surely say this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. And what are they doing there? What are they really doing? They're challenging identity. They're going to say, he's, he's prophesying to them and saying, You're going to say, prove it. He goes on and says, We're... Wherever we have heard done, or whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your own country. In other words, he's saying, you're also going to say that to me. Prove it. Both of them are a prove it. And then he said to them, assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. And that's the concept I was just telling you about. Now listen to me. The more familiarity there is, the harder it is to believe the great calls of God upon us. Are you tracking with us? Um, why is it so easy for, I almost, almost envy him, because wh why is it easier for a traveling pastor? Why do, why do they have such great things manifest? I want to tell you it's a factor of faith. It's because you leave your own country and, you know, when you're, he when you're in your own hometown, try and minister powerfully in your own family. I'm not saying, I'm, do it. I'm telling you, try it because God will meet it. God will make it happen. I'm just telling you, sometimes look at, or how about with your relatives? Maybe not your immediate household, but go, <laughs> go lay hands on your relatives to cast out some demons and see what kind of, <laughs> yeah, I saw those looks, and see what kind of reception you get. You see, a prophet is not with honor in his own home. Why? There's too great of a familiarity. Now you got to walk with me. There is no greater place of familiarity than the familiarity you have with your own self. How many of you know that you're a mess? <laughs> and probably especially, hopefully, especially the further you go back in your past, the more you're an absolute disaster. And you're familiar with that. It makes it hard. So, so how are you? Do you know you're a prophet? Did you know that? You see, Jesus is the example. He's king, priest, and prophet. And he calls you to king, to reign with him, 
to shine clear the truth of God from the courts of heaven, prophet and priest, the ministry of reconciliation, the making right of all fallen things because Jesus paid the price to make all fallen things right and grants you the authority to walk around and do that. But if you don't believe you're a prophet, do you think the world's going to? If you don't believe you're a king and you carry the authority, you are seated. What the word of God says is you are seated with him in the heavenly realms. You're sitting on the throne with Jesus. It just states it like a fact. It's not a metaphor. But if you don't believe it, is the world going to see you that way? Are you going to hold out a gospel of blessing if you can't even believe it yourself? You see, we either believe the love of the Father over us or we don't. We either believe what the Word of God says He says about us or we don't. We either believe the words of the Holy Spirit spoken into your own heart in groanings and callings and urges or we don't. Am I the only one having fun in here? Okay, um, wow. Verse 25. I'm just going to go on here because it's just too good to kind of like try to do a skip or something. He goes on, and, and I think that these are some of the strangest words. These are the words that like, if you're anything like me, usually you're studying through a passage or you're reading in your Bible, and then you hit words like this, and you just kind of read over them. You sort of skip and then get to something that's easy to study again. Well, here's these words. In this context, he just got done saying no prophet is accepted in his own country. And then he says, but I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months and there was a great famine throughout all the land. Did you catch that? Many widows, in other words, people who had needs were right there in Israel during Elijah's time. But none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. In other words, what did that just say? What is Je- and this is Jesus speaking to these, to these guys who are, going, who are going, isn't he Joseph's son? He can't possibly be. Why is he sitting in Moses' seat? You're checking? It's, that's the context. And what's he really saying to them? He's saying the prophet had to go somewhere else, had to go, had to leave Israel where, where you all believe is the only place for the manifestation of the glory of God. They, they left to foreigners in order for the kingdom of God to manifest on a prophet like Elijah. He's illustrating the truth that he says no prophet is accepted in his own country. You got it? He goes on and says, um, and, verse 27, many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elijah the prophet, this time Elisha with a S-H, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. In other words, he left Israel to go to Syria to heal a leper. He left a place that was riddled with lepers, (laughs) you got it? To go over to another place to heal a leper. Why are we doing all this? You see this all the time in Jesus' ministry. Do you realize he goes across the sea to go heal the demoniac among the tombs 
And what did he do? He left a place that was riddled with demonized people to go across over there because this is not a place for faith. And, and that is not how it's done. If someone needed... They believed in people getting free from the demonic, just like they believed in healing. It was just there was a way you did it. You did it through the hierarchy. You took them to the temple. <laughs> who is this guy? This is a guy who actually believed his father. Are you tracking with me? When his father says, you're my beloved, you're my bride, you're my prophet, priest, king, you're child of God, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus believed it so he could go where there was a place where the kingdom of God was ripe to be manifest. He led the guy out of town, took him by the hand and led him out of town to, to heal his blindness. He kicks the crowd out. We talked about this one last week. He kicks the crowd out in order to raise the girl from the dead. He says, get out. Actually, it's not recorded that way. It says, after the crowd left. That, that's, like, that's nice language for he said, get out. <laughs> we need, we, we're going to do some kingdom stuff in here. And you, you're not of faith. He goes outside the camp to deliver the world. Are you tracking with me? Who does that? The only person who does that, and this is the call on your life, is someone who actually believes God. And I'm not talking about believes him for just anything. I mean someone who believes what he says about you. You see, we have to go outside of ourselves. I have to say this. I know you're familiar with what a whack job you are. <laughs> because I'm right there with you. <laughs> Believe me, I don't even want to tell you this morning about most of my past. <laughs> What I've been delivered from, <laughs> it doesn't, it's not even good to talk about in public, most of it. Not around the women and children. <laughs> and that's just the truth. I had nothing going for me. I know that's true about you. I know you're a disaster. <laughs> it's just God doesn't talk about the past. Are you tracking with me? He says, you're a new creation in Jesus Christ. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because I'm anointed. For what? For all the things on that list. That's what you're anointed for. And we got to get out of outside of the familiarity with ourself. A prophet is not with honor in his own country. And if you are a prophet called to the great things of the kingdom, if you're going to believe that, you're going to have to step outside of the familiarity you have with what a disaster you are. I know, he promises that there will be trouble in this world. I'm not saying you're not going to continue to deal with the consequences of your past disaster, bad decisions we make when we sin and it has consequences. You've got to deal, we're going to deal with all that stuff. We have, we have health issues, we have, we have financial issues, and, and all of those are realities in our life. But they have nothing to do with our faith in who the Father says we are. Who are you? Child of God. That's it. That's the only question. <laughs> Child of God. How well are you performing? Who cares? <laughs> it's not about that. 
I didn't know I had this much fire. I'm kind of surprising myself. <laughs> We've got to be set free, church. <laughs> We've got to quit hanging on to the disastrous old man. And at, at some point, as individuals and as the church, we have got to believe what he says about us. Now understand, sometimes that takes, that takes healing, really deep inner healing. That's why we have living water ministry. If this message resonates with you, I encourage you, sign, sign up for living water ministry. I promise you blessing. That ministry is all about healing the stuff that you are so familiar with. We will not be free until we're far more fascinated with who he is than we are with who we used to be or who we're so deceived into thinking we still are. Rest. Yeah, we're talking about rest still. We have to rest in the identity the Father gives us. I can promise you this too. The bride of Christ, the church, will be weak and pathetic so long as we don't believe the identity that God is speaking unto us. So long as we're more fascinated by our past than we are with his plans for the church, you are his church, then, then that is what he's waiting for. That is the preparation of the bride. The bride, I, I want to be like Jesus, right? Well, what was Jesus like? He was a guy that did not question the identity and acceptance of his father over him. It caused him to be bold and ruthless in the way he went out to conform the world to the kingdom of God. <laughs> It caused him to be unhindered in his ability to heal the sick, open eyes, cast out demons, and set captives free. He did it unhindered. Why? It all started with identity because the Father spoke it on him and he believed it. What'd you say? Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just needed one person to say it. <laughs> Okay, um, you know what? Go to uh, Mark chapter 6. <clears throat> I want to show you the same narrative again, but then I want to show you what the narrative does this time. It's, um, well, let's just do that. And it's very powerful. At least it was for me. Verse 6, chapter 1. We'll start reading. Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? You see, somebody who's sure, somebody who's sure of their identity, people are going to go around saying, saying that about you. Where did you get these things? Does anybody have that experience? I do, I have that experience. And it blows, I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm patting God on the back. I'm blown away by it every time. I'm always kind of like, that is the funniest question. Where do you think I got these things? It's not from me. <laughs> I'm not exactly brilliant, 
right? Or, or especially when you talk about the manifest of the movement of God. When, when, you, when you pray for someone or minister to someone and a captive is actually set free, <laughs> where do you get these things from? Well, it's not my ability, I'll tell you that, right? But the identity is that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And I'm anointed to do this. That's where I get these things, from the anointing, from the good Father. Okay, that's a, well, that's what they're asking. <clears throat> where does he get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is, now here it is. <laughs> is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. Why were they offended at him? I'll just let that linger. Verse 4, But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without, without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now, he could do no mighty works there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. You know, no, nothing big. He couldn't do much. <laughs> just a few things here as he kind of went along. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Now listen to me, what unbelief did he marvel over? I mean, what was the lack of belief that they had? Huh? Is this one of us? Yeah, that, that's basically it. You know what I want you to notice? They didn't have an, they were seeing the works. Do you get that? They didn't have an unbelief that he was doing mighty works. What was the unbelief that they had? Who he was. Who he was. That's the unbelief he marvels over. You see, first we've got to be fascinated with who he is. <laughs> and that swings the gates of the courts of heaven open for you to be who you are. The truth is, the first half is not enough. Just being fascinated with who he is, I mean, that, that's great. I'm not trying to take your salvation away or anything. You're fine. He's, he's, I'm just talking about if you're going to participate in the calling. If, if, you're, if you're one that the Spirit of the Lord is upon and you are anointed to do the things of the kingdom, if you're going to be that, then you're also going to believe something about your identity. Not out of pride, not because, not because you earned it or you're good enough to have that identity, but for one reason and one reason only. The love of a father over you gives you the identity. Why does a child get the inheritance of their family? Because they earned it? Whose child are you? That's the only question. Whose kid are you? Then he went about the villages in circuit teaching. Now, now listen, this is why we did this. And, and we'll kind of start to wrap here, I, I think, but I'm not promising. <laughs> Just next in the narrative is the sending out of the 12. I don't think that's coincidence, that, that these are the things that we're going through, and then he sends them out. So let's read that. Verse 7, same chapter, chapter 6, verse 7. And he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. 
He commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. Now to focus here. In other words, he's sending them out. He gave them power over unclean spirits. Now I'm going to tell you, I guarantee you they're doing exactly the same thing you do. What am I talking about? You know, you know they're going, me? <laughs> no, seriously, yep, go out, heal the sick, cast out demons, and set captives free. If you, if you don't do anything else, if you just do that, you'll be doing fine. Sending them out two by two. They, they were going, me? You, you want me to do what? I'll guarantee you they were, but you're going to come, right? You're really going to be doing it, and we're going to watch, right? And, and no. <laughs> me? You know they're doing that. Now watch this. And he also said to them, in whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place. And whoever will not receive you nor hear you, when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Now, okay, I'm going to make a point there, but I have to read verse 12. So they went out and preached that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. In other words, he gave them some instructions to do, and they did it. <laughs> no problem. But now here's what I want you to know. What's that last part we read? And this is so critical to get. The world is never going to see you that way. The only thing that matters is that you see you that way. Why? Because your father sees you that way. He never promises the world is going to see you that way. The world is, is not going to put is not going to give you accolades or have faith in the mighty and great calling that, that is on your life because what? Because you're a child of God. Whose kid are you? They're never going to see you that way. And what this scripture is saying is that, is that you are not responsible for the doing. You are not responsible for the results. That's what it's saying. It's saying uh, that's on them. Go off from the kingdom. But you understand the confidence in that. Step one is the confidence of go carry the kingdom to them and offer it. It means you have a confidence that the spirit of the Lord is upon me and I, and I, I am anointed for these things. You're not going to carry the kingdom into this broken world if you don't believe the spirit of the Lord is upon you for it. Not because you've earned it but because you know whose kid you are. That's on them. But you see, what's on you? What's on you is to have that confidence in your identity. Now, now it's so important, and I'll just kind of wrap with this. It's so important that you don't think I'm putting out there a guilt trip like you just don't believe enough, people. <laughs> I'm not, that's not what I'm doing this morning but the truth sets us free you know it's a walk in intimacy where we get to know him where where he reveals more and more to us who we are but i want to tell you this i had a whole thing planned and i'm, I'm not going to go through all of it but i gonna tell you this um healing is something you gotta keep 
In fact, is that here in this verse? One of the verses we were going to read right in these narratives we're talking about is where the woman yells out and says, blessed is the woman who gave birth to you and who nursed you. And what does he say? He says, no, blessed is the one who hears and keeps my word. Now listen to me. I think instantly what we do is go to a legalism even though it's totally contrary to the passage. He's not saying his yoke is easy, remember? So he's not saying blessed is the one who can keep every jot and tittle of the, the law and bear that heavy burden. That's obviously not what he's saying if you stop and think about it a minute. When he's saying blessed is the one who hears the word and keeps it, what's he saying? He's talking about his yoke. He's talking about blessed is the one who hears the word and can receive it from God. I am child of God. I am his bride. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. I am anointed for every great thing of the kingdom. That word. <laughs> blessed is the one who can hear that and not only receive it, but he uses the word keep it, which is actually a good translation. So, so listen to me. We grow into this. Healing, inner healing, healing of our broken places is something we receive, but Jesus says, blessed is the one who can keep it. What's that mean? How do you keep something? It, that word actually kind of means observe it or, or live according to it. So we get healed and we keep that. That's identity now. I'm not that old broken person. Are you tracking with me? I'm just a wretch saved by grace. I can't stand that. So is that true? Were you a wretch? Yes, that's true. But God's not focused there. You were a wretch. You're not a wretch saved by grace today. You were a wretch who is now saved by grace, which means you are all the fury of the kingdom for the glory of Jesus now. <laughs> I'm having so much fun, I better stop. <laughs> what do you want to do? You know, I, I think it's just pretty obvious. If, may I pray for you? I think, what, I think um, the thing to do, did this resonate with anyone? Is anybody like me and you kind of struggle to believe your identity all the time? Or some of the time? Um, I would like to just pray an authorized prayer. You know, you're authorized too. That's what we just taught about. I'm talking about my, my authorization only. You join this with authority. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you for release of demonic tentacles. That testing in the desert that Jesus went through that wanted to take his identity and failed. And I just want to pray... I just want to pray right now an authority of the kingdom for the break of that bondage. In other words, let's set some captives free. I have captive places. You know that? You know you're all of those? You, okay, I'm still preaching. Do you know that you have blind eyes in places? You have places in captivity that need to be set free? You have broken places that need to be bound up and healed. You are all of those things that you are, that as Jesus did, you are sent. You're called to do. And it's true. All, every single one of them is true even within you. So thank you, God. That's what we're going to do. We're just going to pray this ministry over every person in here.
You ready? We're going to make actual difference in the spiritual realm and in your heart. Do you believe that? We're not just praying. We're, we're affecting things. <laughs> I thank you, Father, for answering my prayer. I believe that you just did mighty things in this place and that you've just, be, you've just gotten started. You're really going to work now, and I thank you for that. We know you've been here the whole time, but I ask, come Holy Spirit, come in tangible presence upon your beloved. And first, I'm just, Lord, Holy Spirit, can we just speak words over them? And I ask for a miracle. I ask that these words would just soak deeply into their hearts in a miraculous, real way. You are sons of God. You are a child of God. You're his favorite. You're his beloved. You are the mightiest place for the manifestation of the kingdom of God on earth. The spirit of the Lord is upon you. You are anointed for the purposes of the kingdom. It's always been his plan and it will always be his plan. You. And so, Father, right now, I ask that you would begin to minister on hearts and we're just going to declare your ministry over them. In the name of Jesus, I ask that they would be filled with fresh and new anointing to be preaching the gospel to the poor. And first, that it would be to their heart. Lord, that, that where your word has been twisted into bad news, I declare in the authority of the name of Jesus now that their heart is actually capable to receive that, that you, you are good news. This is good news. And Father, for those who need healing, I ask that a spirit of healing would go out to heal brokenhearted to those that are listening and those that are here right now. Father, I ask that you would give liberty to captives. Captive places in hearts are being set free in the authority of the name of Jesus. Captivity is being broken. Chains are dropping off. Walls are dropping out of the way. It's time to be the church, the church in power. And we're asking for that miracle. Captivity is broken. Father, I ask where there is spiritual blindness, that you are opening blind eyes in our hearts right now. We are not going to miss what you're doing anymore. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to what you're doing. We're going to see it so that we can jump right in and participate as your spirit moves in our daily lives. Blind eyes are opening in the authority of the name of Jesus. And freedom for the oppressed. In the authority of the name of Jesus, I am breaking spirits of oppression over people in here, their families, their children, both, both young and grown children. Oppression is being broken in the name of Jesus. And I can do that. And I thank you, Father. I praise you that I can do that because your spirit is upon me and I'm anointed for this. 
And I ask, Lord, that you would set us free, set us on fire to go out and proclaim news, good news, proclaim the year of the Lord over a world that only ever is hearing bad news and fearful things of of illness and calamity, that we would be a people that go out with a fire of joy because we know you and we can introduce people to you. Set us free. I'm asking for fresh fire of the Holy Spirit to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. In your name, Jesus, the only name, all the authority, the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for bearing. (laughs) I didn't know I had that much fire. Um, and so thank you for letting us run a little late. Yeah. Um, I need to step outside of myself because the Lord gave me a prayer at the beginning uh-huh. and through your message, it became a declaration. Do you um, feel bold enough to, to pray that, a prayer over this place? I did, but I don't know Will you do it with a microphone so we can join in the spirit? It's okay if you cry and have to wait and wait, wait to get your voice back. And I believe that that is powerfully of the spirit of God. It's prophetic for this place right now. I believe that. Do you believe that too? Well, I'm not a prophet, but the spirit speaks what he speaks. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. That's, that, that is the prophet qualification that we all have that the Spirit speaks what he speaks. You, you can say no, but I'm just, I'm just offering, will you? Will I do it? And Okay, um, the, the word again, and I, I, knew, I know that I'm recognizing truth that the Holy Spirit just spoke. I just want to make sure, since you received the word, I wanna, if I did it, I want to make sure, I would much rather you boldly did it. But, um, but is it the fragrance of the Lord? The fragrance of the Lord is cleansing. Well, the fragrance of the Lord fills the air, and and when the fragrance is in the air, the air is cleansed, and then we need to breathe it in. Amen. Okay. Okay. I think you just did it. You just don't want the microphone. <laughs> All right, then let's just declare that. that we've, we've received a prophetic word this morning. Um, we receive that, Lord. We receive that right now with open arms, open hands. We welcomed you in our prayer before the service and asked you to speak prophetically, and, and you have. The fragrance of the Lord is in the air, and, and, and we just need to breathe that. Hear that, church. And Lord, we ask you, open our lungs that we can breathe in your Holy Spirit. In fact, the word spirit means breath. And we ask that your breath, God, would, would come into us even just as we breathe, and it's cleansing. It's cleansing to our hearts. It has power over virus in the authority of the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Did I get it? Is that the word? Okay. Amen. Y'all be radically blessed. <laughs> <laughs>